You shouldn't have done it, but you did it. Right. You took a headstone. Right. Don't keep it under your bed. No. Not because of ghosts or something, but because that's really gross and weird. <laughs> it's weird. Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week we are taking a trip to Illinois to see what kinds of ghosts, weird people, UFOs, and monsters are hanging out there. Seems like there's a lot. Yeah. There's yeah. a whole book, in fact. Yes, that's right. So Weird New Jersey is something that we've talked about on the show a lot. It's a magazine, and it's branched out into a series of different books. Uh, I don't know if they've actually done all 50 states yet. I'm not sure. Um, but they do have a Weird Illinois, and so we use that for a lot of the source material. And thank you so much to Matthew, one of our listeners, to making sure that we knew about it. That's right. We decided on this topic last week. Mm -hmm. uh, we recorded this show live on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash at gttupod and so when we said maybe we'll do illinois matthew pretty quickly sent me an email with a yeah. bunch of information which was great even included a file for 3d printing the moon from majora's mask oh that's awesome that's right so ali has been printing that for me which is dynamite oh my god that's what she was like <laughs> printing the other day and she's oh my god that's so cool so cool that's so fun uh so huge shout out to matthew yes and i i asked matthew uh because weird illinois is an entire book yeah. of of strange happenings in the state overall so i asked matthew what specific is there anything that you think needs to make the cut what do we need to talk about on the show and it was interesting right because matthew uh he gave me a, a few Different uh, topics that I should maybe focus on for hauntings specifically. Great. But also, it, it's so interesting to have like a guide to the unknowny, a guidey. Yeah. Boots on the ground That's in a place true. where we're investigating. Because he, he was like, listen, there are also some big gun topics that people usually talk about associated with Illinois. That's almost like sort of like the easy one. Yeah, right. So, of course, I had to research at least one of the easy ones. Yeah. So I've got yeah, I've got it's a fun, fun to mix. have a big gun. I've got a big gun from Illinois. Yep. And I've got a, a very uh, a, an interesting firsthand experience from Matthew. Oh, amazing! About a place as well. Boy, I'm curious about both of those. I know it's kind of fun. Yeah. Um. You want to get the start with the big gun? Yeah. Let's get the big gun yeah. out of the way, right? Because mm -hmm. if if somebody's cruising around on the internet and they see that there's an episode specifically about Illinois, yeah, this might even be what they're anticipating mm -hmm. hearing about with our particular guide to the unknown let's give him the good stuff flavor which is why apologies matthew i'm going to be starting with the story of resurrection mary oh okay yep you've heard of this mm -hmm. oh okay so even yeah. you is this played out to you <laughs> no 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 mm -mm. all right so uh, on the face of it resurrection mary is uh something of a familiar story yeah it turns out that resurrection mary herself is one of the many vanishing hitchhikers Yep. That have plagued the globe for decades. She's a classic. Kind of a classic ghost story notion. This is the Large Marge type of story. Yeah. Pee Wee Herman takes a, a ride from Large Marge, gets off at his destination, and finds out from the, the truckers there, well, no, Large Marge died what, 30 years ago. Yikes. Resurrection Mary yeah. is essentially that story, which makes sense because this is a repeating story. It's actually... The urban legend, mm -hmm. The Vanishing Hitchhiker. Yeah. We've talked a lot about urban legends on the show. We've been covering urban legends off and on, um, literally going A to Z on all the urban legends that exist. 
And there was um, a, a, a scholar, mm-hmm. Jan Harald Brunvand, who is credited with one of the earliest textbooks about, you know, quantifying, classifying urban legends. And that book is called The Vanishing Hitchhiker. This right. is sort of the preeminent sort of modern mythological tale. So here's how it goes. Mary had spent the evening dancing with a boyfriend at the O. Henry Ballroom. Mm. At some point, they got into an argument and Mary stormed out. She left the ballroom and started walking up Archer Avenue. She had not gotten very far when she was struck and killed by a hit-and-run driver who fled the scene, leaving Mary to die. Her parents found her and were grief-stricken at the sight of her dead body. They buried Mary in Resurrection Cemetery, wearing a beautiful white dancing dress and matching dancing shoes. The hit-and-run driver was never found. Enter Jerry Palace, a Chicago Southsider who reported in 1939 that he met a person with whom he came to believe was a ghost. Yikes. Resurrection Mary. At the Liberty Grove Hall... I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> they danced all night. They even kissed. He almost looks like a real fool. Oh. To everybody else in the hall. Just like <laughs> there's no one there. Yeah. Looking like Leland Palmer oh, God. by himself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Won't you dance with me? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then at the end of the night, Mary asked him to drive her home. Now, this is a direct quote from Jerry Palace. This is unlike most vanishing hitchhiker urban le- the the notion of an urban legend is that Usually the story is not verifiable. It right. travels through the f- the fabled friend of a friend. Mm-hmm. This happened to the cousin of a guy I went to school with. Yeah, you're right. It's, it is unusual to have a first-hand account. I've got road names where this is said to have happened. I know the yeah. hall where she danced, and I've got quotes from the man who witnessed her ghost. Yeah, it's more specific than usual. He says, as we walked along uh, to the street... She says, well, you may as well take me down to Archer Road. And I said, what for? I said, I said, you live up here where you told me. Not on Archer Road. And she says, no, I want to go out to Archer Road. Hmm. So instead of driving to her house, which I guess he had gotten her address previously, yeah. Mary, who he'd been dancing with and even given a smooch to, asked to be driven to Archer Road. Jerry stopped in front of Resurrection Cemetery and let Mary out of the car. It was at that moment that she vanished before his eyes. Yikes. Jerry admitted that he was perplexed, but seemed willing to forgive one unexplained disappearance, which is weird. <laughs> you have to take, for this story to make sense, you have to take for granted that, that Jerry drove Mary to Resurrection Cemetery. She got out of the car and disappeared, and he was fine with that. I don't understand. Why is he saying you can forgive one di- disappearance? Did he think she like stopped, dropped, and rolled away? Uh, maybe, maybe it was so dark that uh-huh. she like vanished from sight quickly. Right. That we're dealing essentially with the notion of like mental backflips to convince herself, like, well, she didn't blink out of existence. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. The one thing I know for sure is that she didn't blink out of existence, and yeah. that she's not a ghost. She's definitely not a ghost. All right. Mm-hmm. So the very next day, Jerry drove to the house where Mary had said that she lived. Jerry found the house with little trouble. A woman answered the door and identified herself as Mary's mother. When Jerry asked if he could see her daughter, the woman told him that Mary had been dead for five 
years. All right. Uh, It then dawned on Jerry that Mary was no ordinary woman. So a lot of this story is being relayed to us through a guy named Richard Crow. Mm -hmm. He uh, is a, a, a historian, something sort of like captured the story. And he explains... Uh, It's then, Jerry said, that he understood why the woman he was dancing with that night was ice cold to the touch. God. Yeah. Right. I feel like I would be joking, but the first thing I would say if I was dancing with somebody at a hall who I don't really know and they're like freezing cold, I'd be like, oh, are you a ghost? Like what? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. What are you dead? (laughs) Yeah. Now listen to this tag on that as well. He noticed she was ice cold to the touch. (laughs) Jerry had worked in a funeral home for a while and said it was the touch of a corpse. Oh, my God. But again, I guess you're just like, but it's not a corpse. Obviously, I'm dancing with her. Couldn't be a corpse. Right. <laughs> Except if, you, if you're so familiar with the idea of touching a dead body. Yeah. And this feels just like that. And you've been dancing with this woman all night and gave her a kiss. I, yeah. I just feel like the experience of working in a funeral home and touching corpses and realizing that she feels like that right would prevent you from getting to a place where you're smooching this person i guess you would think but maybe he was just enjoying her her personality so much that he was like i i can get over this maybe maybe I, I i don't know yeah but again these these are evidently this story was told by Jerry Palace about a, a night that he spent in 1939. Mm-hmm. He would die some, you know, 50, 60 years later, insisting to his deathbed that this was all 100% true. Some of this, by the way, is reported by unsolved.com, which is the Unsolved Mysteries website. Right. Resurrection Mary is, was was covered by several episodes of Unsolved Mysteries. That just got canceled, by the way. It got canceled? Yes, the show and the podcast. Really? In mm-hmm. one fell swoop? Yeah. Oh, that's a bummer. I know. That really sucks. You know, I was not, I, I couldn't pretend that I was completely, you know, yeah. sold over by the, the modern Unsolved Mysteries. I just like the old feeling. I do too. I actually, I didn't, I didn't watch all the episodes. I watched whatever we cover for the show and maybe a couple more. But I don't, I don't want it to not exist. No, no. You know? Yeah, that no, sucks. it's a bummer for that's, everybody involved. Yeah, yeah, I don't like that. Especially with so many, god damn, so many storytelling jobs. Mm-hmm. Writing jobs, media jobs, they're all yeah. just tanked. That sucks. I know. That really sucks. Well, the the website still exists. Yeah. And there is a comment section on it. So I immediately okay. went to Excellent. that comment section to see what people had to say about Resurrection Mary. This first comment was posted by Mary. Oh, my God. Who says, I am Mary. <laughs> <laughs> you may not know when I'm coming, but I'm there. You drive on my street and I will see you. Good luck. Wow, very simple. Response from Matt. Okay, that was stupid. (laughs) Response from Otis. I just made a note of that, Mary, in quotes. Mm. Then why'd you make a note of it if you think it's so silly? Thanks so much for the update. So greatly appreciated. These are very nothing comments. At least Mary, the commenter, had like a little bit of a storyline going. Kind of joking around and then everybody was basically just like, Idiot. We don't joke here. I know you're not really a ghost. I know you're not a hitchhiking ghost. <laughs> Calm it down. You can't pull one over on me. Yeah. And then and then this, this flies right off the handle. Drew commented very simply, Why doesn't anyone set up a camera around Archer Avenue to see if you can catch the ghost of Mary on camera? 
Thank yeah, that you. seems like a... <laughs> Thank you. I love it. That seems like a very legitimate question. Totally legitimate. Here is the response from Frank Kuzmanek. <clears throat> Remember I, I mentioned some guy named Richard Crow? Yes. Who was documenting the story? Yes. <clears throat> me, uh -oh. me, me. It's rather long. <clears throat> me, okay. me, me, me. <laughs> just saying me, me, me. <laughs> All you have to do is just say the words and, and your me, throat me, is me. prepped. Richard Crow was a personal friend of mine for over 20 years. My parents... Grandparents and aunts and uncles are buried in Resurrection Cemetery. Richard had a picture of the front gate pulled apart by two hands with burn marks where the four fingers were. I personally thought it was done with a torch and carjack. Richard believed it real. I'm 64 now and grew up in Oaklawn. I was in Bachelor's Grove Cemetery. Put a pin mark uh, okay. on that for a moment. Uh, the first time in 1958. My parents' best friend lived in the closest house. The son did steal a headstone and had it under his bed. Richard had never been there until I took him. He took a picture across <laughs> old this, Oak Park. This guy's responsible for all of Richard Crowe's success. All of it. And also, the, he's responding to a comment where someone was like, somebody should set up a camera. And now we're into all of this. All these deep recollections. There were huge 10-foot iron gates that were chained, but we squeezed through. Richard took a picture of the foundation where the original house stood. It had burned down. I called, hey, Rich, take a look at this. He took a picture. And when we had it developed, his name, Rich, was written in ectoplasm. <laughs> Whoa. Why? Well, I was about to say, why didn't Richard Crow share that? But maybe he did, and I were just not aware of it. So, I ask you. Draw what? whatever conclusions you must. The hell did that have to do with anything? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. It had nothing to do. I wonder if it's do. as simple as like meaning to just leave a comment and not a reply. Yeah, I, I, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's he meant to just start a new thing entirely, but he responded to the maybe. and set up a camera. Yeah. And then here's another encounter away from comments. Here's another uh, notable encounter. All right, cool. With the resurrection, Mary to cap off the story. In a January 31st, 1979 article in the Suburban Trib, whatever, columnist Bill Geist detailed the story of a cab driver, Ralph, who picked up a young woman, a looker, a blonde. <laughs> she was young enough to be my daughter, 21 tops, near a small shopping center Gross. on Archer Avenue. I know, so weird. A couple miles up Archer there, she jumped with a start like a horse and said, here, here. I hit the brakes. I looked around and didn't see no kind of house. Where? I said. <laughs> so I'm piecing this together because it's written all mushy. Right. I think she's already in the car. Okay. And she okay. said, here, here, like okay, stop the yeah, car Okay, yeah, I didn't here, understand that either. But there's no house where she told him to stop the car. And then she sticks out her arm and points across the road to my left and says, there. And that's. Cemetery? When it happened. I looked to my left like this. <laughs> at this little shack and when I turned she was gone vanished and the car door never opened may the good lord strike me dead it never opened Geist described Ralph as not an idiot okay or a maniac high praise if that's what you were thinking that this cab driver was either an idiot or a maniac just get that right out of your mind the reporter says he wasn't but rather, in Ralph's own words, a typical 52-year-old working guy, a veteran, father, little league baseball coach, churchgoer, the whole shot. <laughs> 
And uh, so that I guess that's just another time. That yeah, it's just another account. Resurrection Mary. But she fits some like very familiar tropes, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the idea of a person on the side of the road asking for a drive. I guess if you get away yeah. from the dancing all night, with Jerry Tallis. That's certainly an and outlier. And smooch. That's pretty wild in yeah. 1939. Yes. In all of this, that's kind of the wild card. The rest of the time, she appears to be a classic vanishing hitchhiker mm-hmm. asking for a ride on the side of the road, disappears at yeah. the destination without a trace. Love it. Resurrection Mary. Cool. You gotta love it. Gotta love it. All right. You, ha- I- you legally have to love it if you're listening. You have to love it. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you about Charles Fort. A famous weirdo who I knew nothing about. Oh, it's a person? Yes. Oh. Yes. Okay, so he was a major collector of weird stuff in the early 1900s, and he basically liked to keep company with his stuff and really enjoyed just researching oddities, um, except for his close friend, the author Theodore Dreiser, and his wife, Anna. He preferred to keep company with strange specimens like framed bugs and spiders on his walls. What bugs? And framed. Framed bugs. Framed okay. buggies. And he was basically, he was mostly interested in natural oddities. So anything he was a naturalist. That, <laughs> he was. Maybe that's why he didn't keep too many people's company. Yeah. Because only a select few get to enjoy nature with him. Charles, put your pants on. <laughs> Naturalist is like an old-timey word for a nudist. Why do you think we don't come around no more? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, he bugs are naked. Yeah. <laughs> so is Charlie. Why can't I be? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he he liked like strange natural phenomenon, like I guess strange bugs and things yeah. like that, mm-hmm. and also anything that suggested the existence of the otherworldly. So for example, in addition to the bugs that he had in his wall, he also had these fragments that somebody said fell from the sky, uh, covering multiple acres somewhere, preserved under glass in his home. So he supported himself and his wife with a novel that he wrote, and he spent a ton of time since them at the library, just like looking up strange things that I guess occurred to him and then writing down info about them. But he would throw it away a lot of the times because he was like, I don't really know what I'm going to do with this. And so he was basically a little bit lost. Like he, it seemed like he had a lot of time on his hands and a lot of interests, but wasn't totally sure how to channel them for Mm -hmm. a while. Um, until he traveled to London to gather some information that he wasn't able to find at the libraries or whatever else uh, in Illinois. And when he was there, he kind of hit pay dirt and found what he wanted to find. I don't know exactly what that is. And then compiling all of this information from the time that he was researching both here and abroad, he wrote a book called The Book of the Damned in 1919, and it was a huge hit. Cool. It opened with, quote, a procession of the damned. By damned, I mean excluded. We shall have a procession of data that science has excluded. Oh, that's interesting. Yep. And so damned I'm, data. Yeah, it's damned as in it's just kind of like written off. Yes, like I like it's, that. It's not respected. It's just out there on its own. It's a it's a oh, oh totally catchy name. Yeah, that yeah. tells you. And I guess it, it. I mean, I don't know yet, but it seems like it might still dabble somewhat in the occult. But like, yes, you think of like something as being damned as like you know of uh, uh, like like in a demonic. paranormal way. Yeah, right. But it's damned because most people dismiss it outright. Yeah, people other people have damned it. 
he is championing it with his book. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, that's, that's really exactly cool. right. So I just took a passage from Wikipedia about what was in it because it's just very you know, listed. And so why not just yeah. quote it? So quote, Fort has a particular interest in strange falls and discusses purported falls of fish, frogs, and various unidentifiable materials from the sky. Okay. He also has ta- chapters discussing the findings of thunderstones. Oh, we know what that means. <laughs> it's a stone. You go on a thunder pot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which supposedly fell from the sky during lightning storms. Sure. They did. What? I don't know where this came from. Uh, it fell from the sky. Honey, during I have a no lightning idea. Storm. Is he Can you of, empty it? Do you think about a, one of those stones that Joe dirt found? <laughs> where you found that meteor? <laughs> sure do. I, um, is he also saying that frogs fall from the sky? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a discussion of evidence for the existence of giants and fairies, so-called fairy crosses and coffins, a brief chapter on poltergeist phenomena, the disappearances of many people, including the supposed disappearance of several hundred people in a shelter during the 1755 Lisbon earthquake. He also briefly mentions the famous case of the Mary Celeste, ah. a rather long section concerning a number of purported UFO sightings. This book was written well before 1947, uh, Kenneth Arnold, and the start of modern UFO allegations, yeah. and ends with a mention of the Devil's Footprints mystery in England during 1855. Okay, I guess that's what it was they went to England for. The Devil's Footprints mystery in England during 1855 also citing a number of similar cases. The book also discusses triangle UFOs and sightings of them in various parts of the world from the early 1880s. Hmm. So I believe triangle UFOs are just are um, basically like alien lights, like when you see them in threes like that. Oh, okay. I, I think. that's. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. So it was one of the first books to be exclusively just all about the paranormal, and it was very influential on future authors and future people in general because I've known about the term of calling things Fortean, and I knew about the idea of the Fortean Society, and I knew that that oh. had something to do with like the paranormal and weird stuff, but I really didn't know what it was. Um and it was like old timey. And I thought that it was about the paranormal, but not necessarily ghosts, which seems to be somewhat true. And this is where it comes from. It's Charles Fort. His stuff is Fortean. That's because amazing. It was, because it was that influential. And the term actually originates from a positive review of the book where Chicago author Ben Hecht praised Fort's, quote, onslaught on the accumulated lunacy of the, of the 50s centuries. I don't totally get what he's saying there, I, uh, yeah. uh, but very cool. That, yeah. And also um, Greg and Dana Newkirk, who you all might know from uh, the documentary series Hellier mm-hmm. and their traveling museum of the paranormal and occult, originally had a blog called Who Forded. And I didn't get that either, but I knew that it meant something. Yes. Yeah, some, like you knew someone forded. <laughs> it was a very, very long time ago. So he's almost like a a, you a know, forefather, a fort father, a fort father. Mm-hmm. You know how um, in Ghostbusters they have Tobin's spirit guy. Yeah, right. That's what Egon reads. That sort of seems to have um, you know is an encyclopedia of of the demonic and mm-hmm. ghosts and spirits and stuff. Charles Fort is a, a similar sort of like record keeper. I think somewhat. That's really cool. Yeah, it's it's very cool. So the Fortean Society was formed by writer Tiffany Thayer in 1931, and it was held in Charles Fort's New York apartment with members ranging from friends and then members of like the New York literary scene at the time, like Dorothy Parker. Um, but 
he actually wasn't a member of the Fordian society, oh. kind of strangely. First of all, he was skeptical of all authority, including his own. Me too. And I guess he didn't want to be like the big wig of it. And um, he also wasn't in great health at this point. Mm. So he was letting them use his pad. I think, I, I, from what I understood, I think he also had another place in Illinois still at the time and had a New York apartment um, so that he let them use that for meetings. But he wasn't there usually, yeah, okay. but he like he knew fully about it and he really liked that they did it. And he was like kind of amused by mm -hmm. it because I mean, it's got to be so totally weird, weird to like write a compendium book of stuff that you just think is really cool and strange and probably goes beyond that. It seems like he was like really captivated by this it's kind of how he spent his days most of the time yeah and even traveled to london he was channeling to find out a more. genuine interest in all of this stuff and, yeah. and found a, a practical way to output it right and yeah. so to find people who take it so seriously and i mean they didn't take it like deadly seriously seriously like it was a religion or something but they like they loved it yeah and to form something called the Fordian society that's about you yeah, it's got to be like what that's really crazy okay yeah you totally. can use my new york pad i guess by all means <laughs> yeah um so their aim, the, the whole point of the Fordian Society was to spread Fordian information, which was also known as Fordiana. Oh. And they printed a newsletter called Doubt, where different members took turns as being the editor. Uh, years after it petered, petered out, the magazine The Fordian Times was started by Bob Rickard after he discovered Fort's work in college in the 60s, and it continues to this day. There's a really? magazine still called The Fortean Times. That's really cool. Yeah. Wow, I had no idea. I didn't really either. Like I said, I knew the words Fort and Fortean were some sort of thing, but I uh -huh. had no idea beyond that. There, there are so many people who have like chased these exact same yeah. topics and subjects and stuff. I mean, it's fascinating. Well, we've been assembling our guide to the unknown here, right? Like yeah. we've 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 put years into Talking about these topics on this show as well. Yeah, it's totally true. Where, where's the society uh, uh, growing around us? Society of the Little Guides. The, the Little Guides. Yeah. Please. And they, they don't have a, we don't have a cool apartment for you to hang no, out in. No. But we do have the internet. We do. You can use the internet. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> we have, we'll we have Discord. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Yep. Before we move on into our next Please. topic, why don't we uh, why don't we follow that little mm -hmm. uh, down, the, down the rabbit hole there? Let's. Uh, if you want to support Guide to the Unknown. If you're enjoying what we do and you either want more or you want to back us, one of the best ways to do that is to head to patreon.com slash gttupod. This thing is popping off. Oh, popping yeah. Off. Patreon has its own separate podcast that comes out every single Monday, The Netherworld Dispatch. Mm -hmm. The most recent episode that we did was all about, um, huh. Interesting. What? What? Oh, I know what it was. It was Ghost Adventures Adventures. It was Ghost Adventures Adventures, of course. Yes. How funny that that should <laughs> escape my memory. <laughs> I wonder okay. why. Yeah. Because that show is messy, man. <laughs> yeah, we just crazy. we we have so many episodes of uh, Ghost Adventures Adventures on Patreon now, where yep. Kristen and I watch the original Ghost Adventures episodes, talk about them with each other, and we just recorded a brand new one mm -hmm. and released it all about Eastern State Penitentiary. Yeah. Go check that out. 
our Patreon has a number of different tiers. Uh, you're going to find something that fits you. Uh, it's it's basically guaranteed. Yeah. Um, there are hundreds of other people there. You get access to a Discord where you can chat with everybody. Yeah, people are talking every day about, like, you know, spooky stuff. There's a cool, like, essentially like a listener stories channel in there called Spooky Stories to Tell in the Dark. Yep. And then there are channels for book and movie and TV and music suggestions. There are channels that are just people kind of like comforting each other about stuff um there's a good vibes channel where it's just people being like hey this cool thing happened or like i could use some good vibes on this and it's just it's a really really nice place it genuinely is it's a really cool community Mm -hmm. uh, full of really really great people guide to the unknown has been so much fun to do and a big part of it is the the community that has sprung up around us which is yeah the people are really cool yeah absolutely (laughs) which is great so go check that out join in patreon.com slash gt TTU pod and enjoy all the extra shows that come out there. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the spoils. Please do. Yes. Uh, you could also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We're on the road to 1,000 sure. on Apple yeah. Podcasts. I would love to get 1,000 reviews <laughs> yeah. over there. I would just like us to have 1,000 reviews because it would please me. Totally. Um. So yeah, if you could have that, and we have like around like 850 something right now Mm -hmm. so if you have the time um we would really really appreciate it and if you like us and if you like us that's that's very important yeah Yeah, we could get a thousand we we really (laughs) only need 150 reviews good bad whatever yeah no 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 the most scathing one star reviews please (laughs) um and i'm gonna hit you with something real quick off the top of my head chris what i'm not ready Let's talk about YouTube for a quick second. Yeah, sure. We put out a video version of this show every week, Mm -hmm. but by far this show lives, breathes, and thrives as an audio podcast. Yeah. People still want that YouTube show? Without question. Should we, should that change? Should that, should that change? YouTube.com slash at GTTU pod. Let me know if you like the video version. Oh, okay. Can we talk about that? You want to retire it potentially? Maybe if people aren't using it because our numbers over there are not great, Mm -mm. but our listens. And it still takes time. Will's doing it now. It still takes time to edit it and upload it. So if it's not worthwhile, then why do it? I'd say weigh in on that. Uh, GTTUpod at Mm gmail.com with your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to keep it nice and uh, fresh and lively. Yeah. Yeah. Not just be doing things by rote. Exactly. Because then it also makes us look weird. Like our, our views on, on YouTube are, are weird. They're low. Yeah, yeah. And our listens are fantastic. Mm-hmm. So uh, let, let me yeah, know. Let me know what you think. I'll, I'll do whatever makes everybody the happiest. Yeah. Um, uh, but maybe a change needs to come. Yeah, That's sure. That's what I think. At sure. least. At least. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, themythtraveler.com. Yes. Go over there and That's where you around. can find Will's writing. Mm-hmm. He has a membership over there you can sign up for to get exclusive stuff. He's been churning out a ton of things. Um, he's in the midst of a series called Elder Things, which is like Stranger Things, but about people in a uh, care home. Yep. Like older people. Yep. And uh, I love awesome. it, though. It's about, it really ultimately is about my belief that like, no matter how old you get or how your life may change, you never stop having a side of you that uh, gets excited about one, the macabre, of course, and two, uh, feeling like a kid, feeling like a new kid, mm-hmm. like it's all a big metaphor for being a kid moving into a new town. Really, ultimately. yeah, like that's what I did. Yeah, what you did. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, go check that out, themythtraveler.com. And while we're on the subject of, of talking to the audience, yeah, I feel like doing a live stream where I read some of my stories. Okay, Would people be into that. A little uh, I read, maybe take a break, give some commentary. Mm-hmm. I think that might be kind of fun. Keep, yeah. your, keep your eyes peeled. At The Myth Traveler, I might schedule a, a stream where I read some of my articles, read some of my stories. Yeah. Maybe release them as audio versions after the fact, but sure. really a hangout where I read 
and and chat back with people. I think it might be fun. Yeah, it'd be like an an audio reading. I can't think of another word, but you know, when you go to like a, a bar or a coffee yeah. shop, people can give you their snaps. Absolutely, snap at me. Yeah, who's to say? Beautiful. So uh, uh, let me know what you guys are into. Yes. Um, and we want to talk to you about another. Uh, show that is out there mm-hmm. uh, that I think is very worthy of your attention. There is oh so much to explore. Discover the, p- the pine chilling. <laughs> Discover the spine chilling world of Creep Time, the podcast that's captivating audiences across Spotify and Apple. An irresistible blend of true crime tales that has earned its it's earned its reputation as the juiciest true crime podcast of the year. Get that juice. Oof. In just six months, Creep Time the Podcast has skyrocketed into the top 10 of true crime podcasts in the United States, and the stories are only getting eerier. Starring Silas, Dean, and Stu, they come out with new episodes every Friday, diving into all things chilling, mysterious, and unexplained. Yeah, I want to mention, they, they, you know, they do do true crime, but they do a lot of just sort of like mystery stuff as well. So if true crime isn't your bag, there's still something on Creep Time for you to be interested in. So just kind of like give the feed a scroll. Mm Mm-hmm. Fans are calling it engaging, comedic, and bone-chilling. So make sure to go listen to Creep Time, the podcast, this Friday for an all-new episode, and don't miss the hype. We come out on Fridays. I know, yeah. You could have a double feature every single Friday. Not bad. Not bad at all. Go check it out. Get the juice. Get the juice. All right, let's talk more about some Illinois uh, scary stuff. Yep. I I talked about Resurrection Mary previously. That's like the big gun, it seems. Maybe the, the... the most well-known ghost story in all of Illinois. Mm-hmm. Now let's get to one that Matthew told me about in yeah, his email awesome. that I did not know about. And it's very interesting. And he's got a personal experience with it. We're going to talk about Bachelor's Grove. Mm-hmm. This is in Midlothian, Illinois. Cool. Sounds like some sort of like a Middle Earth. <laughs> it does. Midlothian. This is a teeny teeny tiny graveyard that was first established in 1844 so small that matthew says that you can stand in one corner of it and still see all three other corners oh wow it is it is all in one located he said that it's like the size of two suburban home Uh uh-huh like just side by side like two houses side by side that's the entirety of this graveyard yeah and yet as small as it is, it appears to be densely packed with ghosts and activity. I got there's a graveyard that sounds kind of similar that I pass sometimes in Somerset, where it's just sort of like I don't even know how to describe it. it. From the road, there are just sort of these stairs going up to it, and then a low, low, low like brick wall all the way around it, and it yeah. just seems like it's like packed with graves. I really am fascinated by graveyards yeah and i think it must be old yeah because the location is very strange it's not on like the busiest road in the world or anything but it's like it's right up against like a decently busy road so i imagine it's been there for a really long time and the road kind of was built up around it and stuff because it's it's a really strange spot there's nowhere to park yeah exactly you know well we also we we do live on the east coast Mm -hmm. where you know it's one of the oldest parts of the country as we think of the United States, you know, being founded just a few hundred years ago. Right. Obviously, it's older than that. Right. But, like, um, yeah, there are these old, old, old graveyards that would have just been like, man, what? You took a horse and buggy to get here, I guess. Yeah, totally. And then society has just developed around it. Well, the, the grave of Mary Ellis in the parking lot. Yep. 
Like that's that's crazy that there's one grave in the middle of a movie theater parking lot. It's bonkers. And actually, I I'm pretty sure this was happening in our Discord. I'm like 99% sure. Somebody went this is so vague, but somebody went somewhere and there was a cemetery then they were I think they took pictures of gravestones and they were sharing them and somebody else said oh did you do any grave rubbings and they mm. said it's actually not allowed here because the graves are so old that you could degrade them wow. by like using paper and a crayon or whatever you're going to use and going over it yeah. like there are just some really really like old things here that's interesting yeah. that's really interesting mm -hmm. we used to do grave rubbings in preschool yes in preschool <laughs> Can you imagine? I know. It's great. That was an activity that we did at Christ Church Preschool. In Redding, mm -hmm. Redding, Connecticut. Yep. Old oddities. We, we gotta, had we them gotta, for a long time. I, I don't know. I, I think they got lost to time. Yeah. No, I'm sure they're somewhere. I don't know. They got to be somewhere. All right. Anyway, I'm sorry. Let's mm -hmm. get back to Bachelor's Grove because my mind is spinning. I'm yeah. thinking about like taking trips. How can we cover graveyards as well without yeah, being yeah. exploitative? Is there a fun angle to talk about? I know. I, I'm sorry I'm going off on a thing again, but it's it's about graveyards and stuff. Um like so there's there's a big church by me. It's like a big Ukrainian church. Yes. And it looks really beautiful and I think it has a really big cemetery and that looks quite beautiful too. And like the little goth girl I am. Willing, we missed World Goth Day, by the way. What? It was this hey, week. Do you think we're goth, everybody? As long as we're asking <laughs> questions. Are Kristen and I technically goth? <laughs> Ryan calls me goth all the time. That's I only wear black. You're in right. a white dress right now. I know. I, I told Allie I'm trying for the summer to get lighter color-wise and material clothes so I don't die La like Yorona. I do every year. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm a woman in white. But um, anyway, I was like, oh, it'd be kind of cool to take a walk in the cemetery. It's like really big. And then I was like, well, I don't know if that, that's weird and like disrespectful that I'm just like taking I know. I really don't want to be an exploiter. I like telling stories and I yeah. like being curious. And 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 you know poking and prodding. This I don't know stuff. if it's cool for me to be power walking around just because I like gravestones. I guess. And then I was like, maybe it would be nice if I like brought like a picker upper and I could pick up like garbage and like clean it up a nice. little bit at That's the same really nice. time. I, yeah. I wouldn't be against that. We've been talking about trying to instill in Zoe some sense of like cleaning up your environment. Oh, so I could take right. her with me on a little graveyard walk where I pick up. <laughs> Listen, I was, we were, we were enforced to be spooky kids. I know. Doing grave rubbings in preschool. True. I'm, I'm not, I'm not against it as, as odd as it may be to some people. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Clean it up. Clean we're it up. fine. So anyway, anyway, Bachelor's Grove Cemetery, Kristen. Yes. Is super teeny tiny. Established in 1844. Weirdly, I've gotten conflicting reports that, you know, there hasn't been you know, a burial there in decades upon decades. But I have one other source that said that there was a burial in 1989. Oh. This is very much like a small yeah. family graveyard. I'm, I'm really not sure. Um, but with any sort of, uh, you know, word of mouth legend like this, you're going to get conflicting data. So that's not really surprising to me. So somewhere around the 1920s, a rumor started that this remote graveyard it's really like it's this is just outside the suburbs mm -hmm. outside Chicago. You have to walk like three quarters of a mile on a hiking trail to get there. Yeah. There was a rumor in the 1920s that this graveyard and the, the, the lake nearby had been a dumping ground for the bodies of gangsters. Ooh. Gangsters killed Very by... Very Chicago-y. Killed by none other than Al Capone. Oh, of course. Now, this is where... 
like I feel like a lot of the guide to the unknownverse has converged for this episode. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about Illinois, really, because last week we did Dogma, mm-hmm. and I mentioned Illinois. Yes, and then you were like, "Let's just do Illinois." Yep, I don't know. So we're here because of last week's episode. But then I started finding out stuff about Al Capone, which was in last week's Netherworld Dispatch. Yes, with Ghost Adventures yes. at the Eastern State Penitentiary. It was very weird. It was it's like strange. A- I have to say, I've been noticing a lot of Al Capone stuff in this really? last week. It, I think it's just a probably just a matter of just like you notice things when they're on your mind but yeah. al capone has been very he's present having a, he's having a moment he's been with me yeah i guess so i don't, I don't know mm-hmm. so is it a dumping ground unclear unclear but here are uh, a few uh reports of activity from atlas obscura by the 1950s burials were no longer taking place but a lot of making out was oh. Local teenagers used the overgrown cemetery as a party spot. The youth would break the headstones or steal them so regularly that most of the surrounding police stations eventually ended up with some piece of the cemetery themselves. I guess confiscating headstones. Yeah. But in the last story that I told you about Resurrection Mary, that weird comment that went on and on and on suddenly started talking about Bachelor's Grove Cemetery. Oh, right, right, right. And how his brother or some associate, whatever, had a piece of headstone and kept it under his bed. Yes, that's right. Which is then corroborated by Atlas Obscura. That's pretty awesome. How weird is all of this? Yeah, that's delightful. The Spider-Verse is all, it's all connected. Yeah. But who's taken a piece, first of all? I don't know. First of all, leave it all alone. Teens? If you're going to a cemetery, don't break, kick over desecrate the no graves. it's not it's not cool don't take the headstones mm-hmm. having said that if you already did this is now advice for it you you shouldn't You've have already done, it. done it you shouldn't have done it but you did it right you took a headstone right don't keep it under your bed no not because of ghosts or something but because that's really gross and weird <laughs> it's weird what are you sleeping on top of a grave yeah, that is very strange. Like some like Norman Bates. <laughs> like Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Like that was their resting place and you're yeah. putting it underneath your resting yeah, place. Yeah, now you're resting. This is a red flag, bro. Yeah, it is. Um, I found an interesting YouTube video that was uploaded by John O'Toole Producer okay. on YouTube. Um, 78,000 views, 87 subscribers. Okay. It's like the inverse of us. Yeah, I know, right? It's weird. So... <laughs> He's, uh, this guy is sort of doing like a walking tour of the cemetery, which was really fun. It honestly, it started giving me pangs of, again, Reading, Connecticut, because even though we're talking about Illinois, it was like walking down a trail Mm -hmm. in the middle of nowhere. And then you find a very, very old graveyard and just like seeing the stones poking out of grass. I don't know. Yeah. No, it is. Mm -hmm. So he's describing that not only is the cemetery said to be haunted, the path to it is haunted as well. Hmm. People have evidently seen red lights that float up and down the path. And he even in the video runs into a guy who I guess is around the area frequently. Old Andy Kump in his Mario, Super Mario garb. He's wearing <laughs> denim overalls and a red shirt. Oh yeah. He's like Mario. This guy. Uh, and they talk a little bit about the history We'll hear more about Andy Kump in a few. Right. But here are some of the supposed hauntings that take place in Bachelor's Grove Cemetery. The the Madonna of the Cemetery, also known as Mrs. Rogers. Oh, Oh. hey. She is said, this is a woman in white, 
much like you, Kristen. Yeah. She's said to wander around the cemetery with her young daughter, mm-hmm. hand in hand through the cemetery. There's even a photograph, supposedly, of the Madonna of the of the cemetery sitting on like a, a headstone, a short headstone. Um, cool. But a lot of people say that clearly. It, this is proof that she is here because there is many of many of the the gravestones are so old and you know destroyed. Or, yeah, you know, too many rubbings. Too many rubbings, Kristen. Yep. The, a lot of them are illegible, mm-hmm. or if there was some sort of a placard on them, maybe the family moved them. Yeah. Years ago, but there is a small gravestone that can be read perfectly clearly. However, no identifying information, no name. It simply says infant daughter mm. which is very sad yeah but so people come and they evidently leave offerings of toys and stuff all around this grave oh, that's nice and so it is heavily theorized that maybe this child is the the child that yeah. is seen with the madonna of the cemetery walking hand in hand mm-hmm. in the afterlife um there are evidently claims of grave robbing in this area so much so that slabs of concrete have been laid across several tops of the graves sort of to like Presumably just, like, prevent anybody from being able to dig down. Yeah. Which is a sad, messed up thing to have to resort yes. to. Um, it's claimed, this is a weird one, that there's a phantom farmhouse in the area. That on the outskirts of the cemetery itself, some people have claimed that they're like, yeah, 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 there's that house that's just off the side. And other people are like, what house? What house? No house. Oh. No house. Yeah, that's an unusual one. Super unusual, to the point that the only other one that I can think of. It's Rustin Parr's house. Mm, yeah. Uh-huh. The Blair Witch. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, the Blair Witch lore is sort of like everybody sort of has added their piece as they go. Yeah. Uh, and then at some point I was uh, part of the team that inherited the mantle. That's right. We made a game for Hunt a Killer. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of that element of the house appearing in different locations, I believe, was part of our game. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting. Uh, so that's the story of the graveyard itself. There's also an ambiguous mention of somebody seeing a two-headed monster. Oh, okay. Man, there's a lot of stuff going on here. A lot. That's what I'm saying. It's small, but dense. But mighty. Mighty. But even still, I tried to look up more. Like, somebody said they saw a two-headed monster. What do you mean? Yeah. Two-headed ghost, and that's as far as it went from what I could find. That happens regularly several people are yeah. just saying yeah and somebody saw a two-headed ghost right and that that's all there is to that's, it uh, that's it much. we're not yeah. going to talk more about that yeah elaborate please thankfully i do have some other comments from people ah excellent which you know i love yeah always so this w- is posted by the psycho sound scientist who says the phantom house has been seen in several different spots in the mid-60s Sometime, in the mid-60s sometime, my dad and his buddies went out there at night and saw it in the actual cemetery itself as they stood by the entrance. He described it the same way as everyone who's witnessed it. A white two-story farmhouse with a porch swing. Huh. He also told me there was a dim light on in one of the main floor rooms and that he heard quiet piano or organ music being played. He also mentioned there was a low, heavy ground fog that creeped over and around the tombstones. They assumed it was the caretaker's house. Huh. But obviously. That's cool. It was never there. Right. Mr. Doc Holliday wrote, My bro and I went this past Saturday and saw Andy Kump there. The guy who's dressed like Mario. Oh my Mario. god, he's like a local celebrity. Yeah. Maybe he always dresses like that and makes it easy to recognize him. Hold on. Oh. Of course, he was wearing the same frickin' overalls oh and red shirt. <laughs> That's so funny. We avoided him 
because we saw him walking up to random groups and talking to them nonstop. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Booch Marie wrote, (laughs) Weird thing, I went to the cemetery on Wednesday, and that Andy Kump guy was there, and kept following my friends and I around the cemetery. Even weirder is that he was wearing the exact same outfit as he's wearing in the video. Three years later. Oh, wow. Spooky, she writes. That is spooky. And those aren't the only comments about people saying like, yeah, I went here and I also saw Andy Kump. Oh, man. Mm. All right. Maybe, well, <laughs> maybe old Andy Kump is one of the ghosts. I was about to say, maybe he can't leave. Maybe I'm he's bound here. to those four corners. Thank God somebody walked up and I can talk to them about the cemetery for a while because I'm always <laughs> here. I have to be. Right. I'm going to cap this section with uh, Matthew's initial email. Great. Now that he knows some of the history, some of his personal recollections, I mm-hmm. think, are, are really interesting. Awesome. Matthew says, I went there in my late teenage years and all my life I've heard these stories relating uh, to phantom lights and how people might get lost there for hours because the path they take there changes or disappears when you try to retrace your steps. Which is a fun I love as well, that. the woods changing around you. Yeah. I was shocked when I visited the place for the first time because it's incredibly small. Hmm. So to right. say, like, how could you? get that's yeah how is it possible to get lost which is even crazier that it could be so teeny tiny yeah it's roughly about the size of two suburban house plots and it's completely flat as for the orbs of light phantom lights the cemetery is literally just off a turnpike that has a bend in it so that mixed with how foggy forest preserves can get and the aluminum fence and granite headstones my belief is that people more often get caught up in the moment and he's saying essentially they think the lights on the freeway yeah. are scary lights. Which yeah. Is yeah, coming through a fog like that. The kind of thing that I'm always looking for, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, actually visiting there for the first time was sad. Hmm. Not in a disappointing way, but more in a forgotten way. I know yeah, you and Kristen have said that the second death is the last time someone speaks your name. I've always taken second death more as when the last person who remembers you dies. Mm. So it was more just disheartening to see the graves of people forgotten to time who are only a last name on a headstone and infuriating to see the vandalism and desecration that people have done to the monuments. Yeah. Which... No, I get that. That is sad. It is sad. Mm -hmm. Evidently, some of the family members, as soon as this place started getting like desecrated, it seems like in the 70s is when a lot of attention started being paid to this being a ghost hunting spot. Yeah. And around that time, any family that existed, a lot of them had the headstones removed Mm -hmm. so they couldn't be desecrated. So what's missing there might be a mixture of people destroying headstones or stealing them. Right. And family members maybe having the headstones preserved and moved somewhere else, hopefully. But either way, it becomes just a sad place where the bodies are seemingly buried. That's what I'm saying. It it must be so strange to like, I mean, I don't know. I guess it depends on how you feel. I I think I would feel weird about it. Like some people, you know, want to go visit their Mm -hmm. loved one. And so the headstone is symbolic of that. And you can still have the same feeling doing it. But it's got to be really weird to know that they're not actually, their body isn't there. Well, it's not only symbolic. Because it's supposed to be the way it goes. Exactly. There's a practical purpose for a headstone. Mm -hmm. It helps you navigate to to where your loved one is actually buried. Right. So that you are in proximity to them. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, the whole thing is just sad. Do do not, do not... Do just don't don't no, trespass. I, I get it. Like I, I understand don't destroy. the you know like 
likely, I would think, teenagery badass impulse, but mm -hmm. it sucks. You'll regret it. Don't do it. Yeah, someday you'll be like, I was a dummy for yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Mm -hmm. Hopefully. Hopefully people feel that way, right. to be honest. It, it means you're growing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I've done plenty of dummy stuff, but we, so I can tell you, just don't do it. If you're embarrassed of, of who you used to be, that's actually a good thing. Yes. Yes, yeah. it is. It's totally okay. All right. So I'm going to take us out with... Uh, a story about some UFOs. Hell yeah. So a really weird thing happened on July 4th in 1997. Independence Day. My God. Now here's the thing. Is this the movie I Independence Day. I knew it. The movie. Came out in 1996. Oh. 96. Coincidence? Yes. Well, no. No, I don't think it is a coincidence. Oh, you don't. A year later, <laughs> a ton of people said that they saw UFOs all over the place. Interesting. I think it's not impossible that a year later on Independence Day, some people might have had aliens on the brain. Right. It's on VHS hit. now or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, right. it's just enough time for it to be on home video. Mm. And, and it was huge. It was huge. It was huge. I cried in the movie theater. Had to be Too removed. scary. Too scary. Yeah. Independence Day is sweet. Brent Spiner being smushed against the glass and an it, alien Honestly, that is room. very scary. Made me cry. I was 10. Yeah. Too scary that for 10-year-old Willie. Very scary. Uh, so basically a ton of people saw the same thing on this day. So it's, it is kind of harder to just like bad away as being like, oh, it's just because people love Independence Day. Um, but I can't help but... But have that Didn't in mind. Fuel, right. Right. So it started at 8.30 in Lensburg when a mom, a dad, their daughter, and her boyfriend went outside to watch fireworks. But an insanely bright white-blue light appeared. So bright that it made them duck for cover because they were just like, what is even happening oh, right God. now? Um, then they saw a big electric blue ball move quickly east to west. Totally silent, but really big and really fast. A big blue ball okay yeah very strange so it's weird to, it's hard to like picture it almost, is. right like it's yeah. light without a machine making yeah. the light it's just a, a little sun like the sun yes i remember in actually in the new unsolved mysteries in an episode about ufos somebody described and they did a reenactment and it was like really cool looking a little freaky looking that yeah there were these humongous lights like basically in their backyard but it was totally silent which is just so at odds with, you know, what you think creates giant lights like that, like electricity, even if it's not really loud, there's just like an even a under hum. the radar hum that yeah. you're just kind of aware of. And they said it was just like as silent as like any night where nobody else is outside would be. Like a but balloon like on the breeze. Humongous lights. That's bizarre. Very strange. So there's kind of like a whole timeline here. Then in so that was at 8:30. At 9:15, there was another family checking out fireworks when they saw this big bright flash coming down from the clouds. And then they realized that it was a solid bluish object. And then it went straight down, disappearing below the horizon line. And they were just like, well, what the hell was that? Then, a few minutes later, in Granite City, there was another group that saw the same thing, but saw it moving east to west once again. A little later, around 9.35, there was a family that was on their way to St. Louis from Fairview Heights when they saw a similar object, now with a wispy blue tail. Hmm. It was seen over Milstead around the same time where a witness said that it suddenly vanished with a red flash. 
Then in Belleville at Southwestern Illinois College, hundreds of people saw something weird all at the same time. It didn't, it seems like a lot of people thought it was a firework that didn't explode. Like, you know, one of those just goes up and then it just like nothing happens. Uh, Before they realized that it was way too big to be that and it was royal blue with a white tail. Around the same time, hundreds more people all at the same time noticed the same thing at a drive-thru in the same town. Moments later, people at a different fireworks display saw the exact same thing, and it continued this way. Every few minutes, people having reports of seeing a blue, a bluish-white, or a blue with a white-tailed object uh, moving east to west. And one time, somebody said that it had a red outline, which seems to be like hearkening back to the people who said that it disappeared with a red flash. Like, uh there's just always these things. Always red, white, and blue. Whoa! Independence Day. Independence Day! Hooray! Hooray! We did it! What the hell is oh, going say, on? can you see? A, it's a big scary tale <laughs> on a UFO that... as it travels so fleetly. So fleetly. Yeah. That's good. Thank That's you. Really, you did a really good job. Thanks, Will. So I'm picturing the red around it, mm-hmm. you know, like like a match yeah. burns blue and then yellow. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, is it is it is it that is it hotter at its core right and then red around the edges maybe yeah i know i don't know i'm trying to make some i'm trying to make some mental image some logic well you know we can hear it from the source because i have some stories of people who encountered different sorts of wait is it even about this actual thing uh different alien life in the illinois area what and let's see if they can illuminate anything for us. I don't think they'll be able to specifically answer the question of this red outline and the blue and the white, but I don't know. Maybe they can shed something. I, some I certainly light onto hope this. so, Kristen. Now, before I move on, famously, I saw a UFO on the 4th of July when I was a child. What? Uh, I thought it was an oblong red thing, but I also thought later, and eh, it was the 4th of July and I was just a kid, so I was probably stupid. Or was I? Yeah, maybe you saw this thing. Maybe I did. It was when we were in Connecticut. I looked out the window on the 4th of July and over the trees, I saw, a frankly, frankly, a cigar-shaped thing. Whoa! A red cigar-shaped thing. And I was like, whoa, what is that? And I was old enough to be like, oh, man, I think it's a UFO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was just like, no, you're nuts. But was I? Time will tell. You were. It's interesting that hundreds of people in Illinois around this event all corroborate Mm -hmm. each other. Yeah, because it was in a stadium uh, at a fireworks display at a movie theater. Yeah, that's the strange thing. Isn't it crazy that those hundreds of people are still out there? Yeah. And like maybe maybe like once a week, maybe once a day still, I don't know. Yeah, they're like, like, what the hell was that? By the way, what was that thing? (laughs) P.S. What the hell's going on? All right, so let's talk to some people or hear from some people who had some majorly close encounters. This one is from Leonard S. and it's titled The Alien in the Attic. And this is from Weird Illinois. Uh, I was at the Illinois State, or excuse me, I was the Illinois State Director for an organization called MUFON, Mm. the Mutual UFO Network. Sure. Uh, Liz Sauer is a member of MUFON. That's right. In the 1970s and 1980s. I was always interested in stories that people had to tell about strange things they had seen in the skies or even on the ground, like typical UFOs. One of the strangest reports that I investigated alleged that a UFO had crashed on a farm in central Illinois and that the farmer had pulled a dead alien from the craft and put it into a box. 
The box was then placed in his attic and hidden there. What? A friend of mine and his wife actually saw the dried up alien, but I could never get the farmer to talk to me because he did not want any publicity. As far as I know, that alien is still in the farmer's attic to this day. A dried up crispy husk of an alien. No, you arrest this man. Is it? Yeah. Is in this person's attic. I can't imagine that's a crime. No, probably not. Because because if we haven't acknowledged that aliens are real or like learned that they're real, then how can we prosecute? I don't know. What would it be? I have no idea. There are some things that people do. Obstruction? Obstruction of knowledge. (laughs) I want to know. There's some things that people do where you're like, Technically, you're you're well within your right, I guess, right, to do that. But like, why? You're, that's weird. That was a strange thing to do. Why? And by the way, yeah. If you don't think it was an alien, then what was what, it? What was it? And what did you put in a box? That's got it. It has to be a crime. It, I don't know what it would be. Again, I don't a know. concealing of of crime. Concealing. I mean, so I, you know, I'm inclined to say it's some sort of animal or whatever, you know, that just like looked weird, or this is all just not true at all. But let's just say that it is. But he says that he pulled it from a UFO, so it's not like he saw a particularly strange-looking coyote. Yeah. The pulled I, it from I, a UFO of it all. Something's really amiss with this something guy. Something stinks. Something stinks. And it might be that alien in the attic. I think it might be. Yeah, you gotta before, put that before it gets all dried out. Yeah, put that thing on ice. The dried out alien. Hork, Gross. Hork barf. Absolutely. It was wet before. Now it's dry. Mm-hmm. Ew. Herk. All right. This next one is titled "Extra, Extra, Extraterrestrial," and it's written by Donnie W. Donnie My- Wahlberg. <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah. William. The answer is yes. Yes. My neighbors had a weird encounter with something back when I was a kid. My friend's little brother was out delivering newspapers one morning in early December and saw a small UFO fly overhead. It stopped right over his head and he was so scared that he stopped his bike and sat down on the ground. He could never explain why. Anyway, his dog always came with him on the route. The dog ran home and when he got there, everybody knew that something was wrong. Lassie style. Yeah, totally. Uh, His dad drove over and picked him up. The kid was so scared that his dad told the whole family to never mention the incident again. My friend told me later that one of his brothers did ask about the UFO one time at Christmas dinner, and the younger kid turned white and threw up. (gasps) He threw up. He threw up. Uh, My friend always said that he never had a doubt that the boy had a real close encounter. Ruined Christmas. Yeah, seriously. It was at the table? Come on, man. It was at Christmas dinner. Oh, that ruins dinner for everybody. Yeah. I hope it was only their nuclear family there and it wasn't like gam gam. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. And this final story is from Tom R. And it's fighter. Tom Arnold. (laughs) Friend of the show. From episode 200. Every time I see a picture of him, because I followed him on Instagram. Every time I see a picture of him, I'm like, my my friend. That's Oh, that's my friend. That's my friend now. <laughs> also, I may may he, not have he, told it you. It took sixty dollars to talk to him. He was very nice. He was very nice. Touched us a lot. He sure did. He sure wrapped his arms around us. Um, a comedian who I follow, who I love, named Caitlin Riley, is like best friends with Tom Arnold's assistant. Oh, really? And um, it hasn't happened in a long time, but he he popped up here and there. Like she'd be like going to hang out with her friend, and like Tom Arnold is just like there for a second or something. Guy's a character. He's yeah, yes, he was, he was very nice. Okay, so this is Tom Arnold's story fighter jets track bogey over belleville 
I was a teenager in 1979 and I was working on my parents' farm one day and saw a UFO. I was on the tractor near Belleville and had just turned around to start back down the rows when I saw something silver and shiny come streaking out of the sky from the south. It was moving really fast and then all of a sudden it stopped and shot straight back upward. It sort of banked and then swooped back down again. A moment or two later, it took, off, it took off again to the east. I couldn't really believe what I was seeing, and I must have been just sitting there when all of a sudden, two all of us a sudden they said the two fighter jets came from the direction of Scott Air Force Base Ugh. and chased after the UFO. They had obviously picked it up on radar or something and came to investigate it. I watched the newspapers for a few days after that, but I never saw any mention of something in the sky. Wow. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Because that's like, what the hell does that mean? You got the whole story to mm -hmm. some extent. You know, you know, you never get a confirmation. You never get right. you never get closure yeah. in the in the classical sense. Of course. But you did see weird thing chased. No story in no. and of itself is an answer. And also someone knows about it. Then. Yeah. Like someone's got this covered ish. Totally. It wasn't. And also it wasn't just me who saw it. Yep. Like this was a, a legitimate thing. That's you know? great. That's we don't know great. what that thing is, but mm -hmm. like it's a thing. So those were some, those were three terrific recollections of UFO events in Illinois. Mm -hmm. None of them explained that giant big ball of blue light. No, I queued them up uh, incorrectly. Now what, what do you think? That big ball of blue light. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, some of these things are unsurprising. Just mysteries to me. Because that's some I, like I classic know. men in black. Yes. Tommy Lee Jones would be like, yeah, Transformer exploded up on the telephone line. That's what that was. And you mm -hmm. saw the electricity travel down the telephone poles traveling east to west through town. That explains everything that everybody saw. Look, you're at my little blue light. Yeah, right. Flap. And then everybody's memory is erased and reset. It was some electrical malfunction. Yeah, totally. Transformers exploded. I, you know? I don't know. It's so strange that like so many people separately reported them in such close uh, time proximity to each other. Like it really tells the story of something moving along and different people see it on its path. Undeniably, that is the kind of thing that makes me prone to believe an event is mm -hmm. the en masse of it all. Yeah, right. Like, right. So many people. I, I, I am so enchanted by the one-off story of somebody alone encountering some paranormal thing or even a small group of people. Yeah. Fine. But a small group of people can coordinate. Mm -hmm. They can come up with a story and stick to it. Right. Right. For attention or money or whatever currency mm -hmm. that they get out of an experience like that, that my mind will always go to fake. Yeah. Hundreds of people experiencing something across a vast distance. I know. that It's harder trickier. to write off. Exactly. It's so much more interesting. And I also love the idea that it's like, I don't know. We saw a silent blue mm -hmm. ball move through the air, crackling with energy like a lightsaber. All you know? of the stories are vaguely like each other. It's not It's not like somebody saw a green thing and a whatever thing. It's, yeah. it's always blue and white, and then a couple of times there's some red. So I'm pulling this out of my ass so I didn't think about it. Is the red like some sort of, like they're accelerating at that moment, and those sure. people happen to see that. Right, yeah, exactly. I yeah. don't know. Like, Who knows? You know, cars sometimes have exhaust mm -hmm. and sometimes don't, so it could still be the same vehicle, but something about it is different at different times for a reason. Totally. Totally. Yeah, I can I can absolutely go with that. Yeah. But even just like the idea that like this ball of light didn't do anything. It didn't didn't hurt anyone. It didn't No. It's just it's just an animal that moved through the town. Multiple towns. Moved yeah, moved through multiple towns and yeah. then just disappeared and everyone and all you can do is go, okay. 
And I mean, um, I don't know what that was, but <laughs> that's why. Back to work. Like, I don't remember the name of it now, but remember, there's like some sort of. Um, it's a real thing. Like, there's some sort of government department, or it's probably not even as big as a department, but it's something that acknowledges that UFOs are a thing and mm-hmm. looks into them. And it was yep. like, oh, we can write off like. Whatever it was, I remember the number wasn't impressive to me. Like, it was like, oh, we can, not this. We can say that uh, 60% of these are explainable and we've proven it. And so it's like, so there's 40%. 40% you're not sure about? It's something like that. I, I understand. Um, but I, these things happen. I think it's unexplained. It's interesting. That's very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, Illinois, mm-hmm. I mean, good luck to you. I, yeah. <laughs> good luck out there. It's, <laughs> I hope you're okay. Seems like an intense state. Matthew's holding down the fort. <laughs> yeah. He's got everything under control. Yeah, don't worry about it. Actually, you'll be fine. You're in good hands. Matthew's on the case. I don't have much uh, Illinois experience. I I mean, I do a little bit. I drove to Chicago with Ryan uh, like when we first started dating. Mm. And I really liked Chicago. It was cool. I drove That's to Chicago with Al. Mm-hmm. She was working. Yeah. I was supposed to be working. Yes. Uh, hunkered down in an Airbnb with Molly. I was a little freaked out by the area. <laughs> never left the building. Yeah, yeah. I went to that Airbnb and never set foot. I have a habit of doing this when I travel. I went to Seattle and never went anywhere. I mean, on, <laughs> I was... Was it on their show? I talked about the incinerating toilet. Or was that on Patreon? I'm not sure. Oops. Well, anyway, Ryan and I are looking into um, staying in a cabin at some point this summer. And it has an into- a toilet that incinerates waste. Yeah, it's and not anyway, a thunder pot. It's a fire pot. <laughs> and anyway, it's just a cabin like in the middle of nowhere. And we're probably both going to be like watching TV, playing video games. like Just a change of scenery. That's yes, great. Yes. That's really, really good. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm with you. I also think Illinois might be where we stayed at an Econo Lodge. Oh, do you? Oh, maybe. I sort of think so. So we, when we were moving, <laughs> I mean, we certainly saw something scary there. When we were moving to New Jersey from Missouri, we drove with our dad, and he got lost somehow. It was before. <laughs> I'm sure he had tried to buy a Tom Tom or a Garmin and couldn't oh figure my out god, how it worked. I guarantee he had like four of them. Our dad loved gadgetry and had no ability to operate them. No, but so he uh, all of a sudden checked a map and was like, "God damn it." <laughs> We were like, we had been traveling three hours north, <laughs> like straight up Illinois somehow. It just made a hard left. It's terrible. That sucks. Oh. And, we, and we stayed. He just found a place for us to spend the night. It was an econo lodge. I'm sure he was like, you know what? Screw it. Yeah. We're moving. This is cheap. These two stupid kids get in here and <laughs> shut up and fall asleep. And the first thing we did, because we're two rambunctious youths, is we start looking all over the place, looking under beds and stuff. You know, I'm thinking, like, did somebody leave money under the bed? I don't know. We pulled a, a side table away from the wall and went, ew, ew, look, look. And there was one duty. <laughs> behind the side table uh, it was like oh one God. one little cartoon turd <laughs> in our room and we're like, we're like oh god damn ew, it ew death ew. ew we can't stay here and so we had to like change room and then I remember he tried to make good and like got us room at a Marriott not yeah. that long after he like knew that he had yeah. to <laughs> offset the duty room at the Econo Lodge in Illinois it was like there's a phantom smell in that place, oh, I'll tell you. God. Uh, oh, it wasn't phantom. We we found the source. There was proof. Actually, that was yeah, you're it right. Was, that was it no took corporeal form. Quite far from an unsolved mystery. <laughs> <laughs> we got to the bottom of it pretty quickly. <laughs> Dad paid dearly. 
<laughs> this fall for getting lost. <laughs> yeah. What were you thinking, Dad? Right. Please. Ah. Uh, uh. So anyway, we've been to Bean Town. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> Saw some beans there. <laughs> I think it was a bok choy. <laughs> All right, everybody. Oh, there you go. There you you have it. That's our scary podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you had a good time. Mm -hmm. Apple Podcasts, drop a deuce, leave that review. Um, Patreon.com slash GTTU pod. Have a ball. Tons of shows. More on the way. Always fun. TheMythTraveler.com. At GTTU pod. At Sean Kristen. Mm -hmm. At TheMythTraveler. Uh, send us your thoughts. Tell us what you think. Uh, and we'll see you next time for more scary stuff. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the never. <laughs> <laughs> I said all that and you couldn't get the one line. <laughs> remember when we, you know, I remember it now. Remember when we were on a Bigfoot Collectors Club? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> they have like an outro tagline too. I can't remember it now either. And they threw to you. They gave you the opportunity to say their concluding line. Because they knew. Because I've said like I listened to the show, like I really like it or whatever, and I completely choked. And then you got caught in a stinky lie. It wasn't a lie though. I, I just choked. Oh, it's outstanding. <laughs> no, it really wasn't. Outstanding. Uh, anyway, <laughs> back traveling. to the nether world going. Bye. Bye. Couldn't have been bad. We're so professional. Oh, yeah. We're so pro. We know what we're doing. Is it but, called Bean Town? Did we have that right? right? I mean, I saw the giant bean. Is that why it's called Bean Town? Mr. Bean was there once or something? Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. In my head, I I'm also worried found that Bean Town might be Boston. Oh, shit. I think you're right. I think it is Boston. What's Bean Town? Boston baked beans. Beans. Um, Windy City. Well, (laughs) well, beans. Yeah, that's true. Go hand in hand. That's a good point, Will. Mm -hmm, So I think mm -hmm, that we were just, mm -hmm. we're just looking at things and seeing, you know, where they would originate. Yeah, the big bean. Yeah, Michelle says Boston. I knew it was Boston. I blew it. Yeah, that's all right. Screw it. Well, you know, I I jumped right on board and I started calling it Bean Town. Bean Town. I don't know. They got beans there. Yeah. Don't act like you ain't got no beans. You know you got beans. You know you got beans in there.